0: In our current Advent sermon series in the lead-up to Christmas, Songs of Christmas, uh, we're looking at the first four Christmas carols, you can say, in history. Uh, And it's all found in the Gospel of Luke. Mary, Zechariah, the angels, and Simeon have left us with four of the most beautiful worship-moving Christmas songs that is ever written about the birth of Jesus. And these Christmas songs in Luke's Gospel not only shows us that the Christmas story to be true, to be rooted in factual history, in historical events, but they also draw us into the worship of Jesus who is glorious and magnificent. And today we're going to look at the angel song in Luke chapter 2. So keep your Bibles open at Luke chapter 2. And Luke chapter 2 sets the scene with Caesar Augustus. That's the first line that we read. We get introduced to Caesar Augustus in verse 1 as the ruler of the entire Roman world. And it gives us the sense that Caesar Augustus looms large, looms big over the story of the birth of Jesus. Luke setting the scene in this way not only communicates with to us that these events took place in history. Caesar Augustus is a historical person and so it lands the birth of Jesus in a time and place when Caesar Augustus was in rule. But it also communicates that all the power and glory of the Roman Empire and its authority. Caesar Augustus was the most Powerful man in the world. The Roman Senate would flatter him by calling him the Son of God. That's how they would praise him and flatter him. But observe how these opening verses take us down a downward spiral of power and influence. It starts with the great Augustus, verse 1, the embodiment of ruthless power and privilege. In those days, Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Then we're introduced to Quirinius, a regional governor. We read in verse 2, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Verse 3, and everyone went their own town to register. Then it goes even further downward to a poor man. Verse 4, so Joseph... It was a poor man also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. Then it goes further down in power to Mary. Mary's an unmarried pregnant woman. And in those days if you're unmarried and pregnant then you were looked down upon with much shame not much dignity. Verse 5, he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And then it goes to the lowest of low, Jesus as a baby, the least powerful and least privileged person. Verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Everything in these opening verses points to how lowly the baby was, points to how lowly King Jesus was. What we see is a contrast here between two kings, one who's recognised by the world and lives in a palace of opulence, the other who started life in a manger, in a feeding trough for animals. The lowly circumstances of Jesus' birth shows us that God's kingdom will come in ways that surprise us and subverts our expectations of what true greatness and real power looks like. And God's surprise and subversion is also shown when the angel appears to lowly shepherds. We read on verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified but the angel said to them do not be afraid I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people today in the town of David a savior has been born to you He is the Messiah the Lord this is a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger you see shepherds in that society were despised they were distrusted They were considered to people without morals. They were shady, and so they were disdained. And God chose them to make the good news known about Jesus, not to the rich and powerful, not to the Roman Senate, but to the nobodies in societies, to these lowly shepherds. And we read on from verse 13. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, Praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favours rest. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. He was lying in the manger. The angels, what they said was true. And when they had seen him, They spread the word concerning what had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. These lowly, despised, distrusted shepherds became messengers of the good news of the birth of their Messiah, of God's King who saves. This is a surprise and subversion because shepherds' testimony, because they were so shady, their testimonies were not admissible evidence in court. You couldn't bring a shepherd to court because the judges will just kick them out the door. They would not admit their evidence. See, a modern publicist might use a credible or reputable reporter to hold, say, a big press conference, but God chose a group of lowly, untrusted, despised shepherds in the field as his reporters, and his messengers of the good news about Jesus. And God did use these shepherds. The news began to spread about the shepherds' testimony. See, the Christmas story told by Luke is inviting us into God's reality. And that is the good news of Jesus Christ is for the lowly and the weak. The lowly and the weak. Notice what happens when God's power and glory collides With the lowly and weak. Notice in this passage that God's power and glory pretty much skips over and past the powerful. God just sidesteps the powerful and shows up right in the middle of the lowly and the weak. And it doesn't come to Caesar Augustus, but it comes to Joseph, Mary, and the shepherds. And when it comes, it comes with a message that you could argue is the central theme of the Bible that sums up God's good news to us. The message is in the angel's song of praise, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favour rests. The first verse of this very short song is glory to God in the highest heaven the first thing that the angels do is praise God for what he has done. God sent his son into this world, going from God's throne and palace to be taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of a man to be our saviour. Can you imagine that the angels have been with God for all of eternity? So you can imagine that angels would have seen God do a whole lot of amazing things. The angels would have seen God do heaps of amazing things but when the angels look at what God had done for us by sending his son into the world to be our saviour well they marveled at God they've never seen God do that you can imagine the angels getting a bit bored over the centuries going oh yeah I've seen God you know do this, do that but to send his own son to be born of a virgin to be a baby to be the savior of the world they absolutely marveled they rocked up and just engulfed the entire skies with angels it was a response of absolute wonder and praise for the angels and so if the angels can get so excited about the birth of Jesus and salvation that he brings through him how much more should we Because we're not just spectators and onlookers like the angels. The angels were spectators and onlookers. They just saw that Jesus had come on earth. But we have this special position of being the recipients of not just being onlookers, but we're recipients of that salvation. Not only did Jesus, the Son of God, become a man, he became a man for us. And it calls for worship and praise. Seeing the Son of God become so lowly, vulnerable to be a human just like us, to live for us, cause us, draws us in to join in on the angels in being amazed as well. And so that's the first thing that we learn. It's one of the major themes of Scripture. We are to be amazed, drawn into worship of Jesus. It causes us to actually get over ourselves it's not about you we're meant to orbit around the glory and majesty of Jesus Christ but that's not all there's a second verse in this short song and it goes like this and on earth peace to those whom his favors rests the peace that the angel sings about is not just inward peace or serenity as another word it includes that But that inward peace comes from an outward peace. And it's not outward political or international peace. The birth of Jesus didn't bring about political or international peace. The peace that Jesus brings is peace between us and God. Jesus gives us peace between us and God through the forgiveness of sins. The truth is that we are at war with God because of our sin. But Jesus can give us peace with God by the forgiveness of our sins. That is the Christmas story, that we are at war with God, but Jesus gives us peace with God. And this story is actually sung in the carols that we sing in Christmas. You might know Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's a great carol. We sing it at our carols, we sing it at church, you probably sing it at a community carols you might even sing it hear it on the supermarket but did you know that the very first line says peace on earth mercy mild God and sinner reconciled first verse what is this peace on earth it is mercy mild it is God and sinners at war but now at peace reconciled with God And the surprising news is that this peace with God rests with those who God favours. And those who God favours rests on people like shepherds and poor teenagers. The surprising news is that God's peace and God's approval and favour rests on the lowly and the weak. One of the most stressful anxious driven the most unpeaceful aspect of our lives is just trying to earn someone else's approval isn't it it's exhausting it's stressful you're trying to impress and please someone else but you're just never sure of their response you feel like you always have to have your a game you always have to feel like you're on your watch you always have to have your guard up You just can't be yourself. And you've probably experienced that in, say, a job interview or a first date or when meeting someone that you really, really want to impress. And you're on this edge all the time because you're trying to earn their favour. This passage frees us from that when it comes to God. Now that you've come to the end of the year, maybe you're feeling perhaps a little bit unaccomplished with your year. You're feeling like your life is perhaps a bit smaller than what you had wanted or envisaged at the start of the year. Or perhaps you had the opportunity to travel this year and when you are descending towards Sydney Airport and you look out the window and you look out at all the little terrace houses in Roselle or you look at your, your little house, In your suburb, as you fly across the harbour, you just can't help but think of the millions and millions of people living in Sydney, and that makes you feel insignificant and small. Perhaps you had a recent work trip or holiday trip where you've come back home and you just feel like, I'm so small. Or when you look at your life or your job, your family, and you go, man, that just feels so small... Maybe you're feeling a little bit like a nobody. Then take heart, because God loves the nobodies. God's favour rests on the nobodies. The truth is, is that we are small and weak people. This passage says don't fight it. Don't stress over it. Just embrace it. Because only when we embrace our smallness does God embrace us. Only when we embrace our smallness does God embrace us. This is the reality of who we are. We are small people with big desires. I think that's just the most unique thing about us. We are small people with big desires, and we think that we can satisfy those big desires by trying to make ourselves bigger. But no matter how big we make ourselves, we never seem to satisfy these infinitely large desires that we have in our hearts. I think that's at the heart of our sustainability issue on earth, is that we consume more than what our small lives can handle, because we are small people with big hearts. And we try to fill our hearts with stuff, with positions and titles, because we're small people with big desires, but we can never fill it up, because God created us to be an infinite relationship with him. Our big, infinite desires can only find its satisfaction in an infinitely big God, And the surprise in this story is that it shows us that we will only find our big God only when we accept our smallness. Only when we try to stop making our lives bigger does God in his bigness show up with his big glory and majesty and he sweeps your infinite desire into his infinite love and mercy. What's this last week been like for you? Maybe you just come here on Sunday, you're just tired and you're feeling defeated, depleted. You're feeling so small. And maybe sometimes you've got all these people that you're trying to please and you've come to the end of the year and there's no more extra work days that you could ever add to next week. You've just come literally to the end of this year and you can't please the people around you. Maybe the best thing you might say to your unhappy client is say, hey, sir, I'm really sorry that you're really upset, but the truth is I'm a human, not Jesus. Maybe that's the most encouraging, freeing thing that I could say to you today is you're human, you're human, You're not Jesus. That might be the evangelistic angle that you're going to take. You go, hey, look, it will take a miracle for me to finish that for you. There's only one person who could do that. He's also performed other miracles like turning water into wine. Would you come with me on Christmas Day? And I'm going to show to you what other miracles that he could do in your life. If you're here today and you're sensing your smallness and you're sensing your sinfulness And your inability to become like Jesus if you're sensing but Jesus greatness and his forgiveness then God is drawing you to himself God is showing up in your life God is at work in you and you don't have to impress him you can just receive him as your saviour you just go to him in your smallness and worship him in his greatness. That is the good news of Christmas, friends, because God has come to people who are small and weak, just like you and me, and he favours us and he fills us with his peace. And so as we close, let's do three things. Number one, respond and believe. Respond to what Jesus has done by sending his son Jesus. If you're sensing him, drawing yourself near to him, don't resist him any longer. Bow your knee. Join the angels in worship. Stop trying to be something that you're not. Just be a human and come to Jesus and receive that peace. And that leads to second thing: worship him. You can't look at what Jesus has done without bowing down into worship to the one who has done so much. And so as we respond in song next, realize that you're joining the angels who can't get over what God has done. That is the greatest, most miraculous thing God has done and the angels can't get over it. And so enter into that worship today. Reorientate yourself around his glory. And thirdly, receive his peace. No matter what is going on in your life, know that today that he is for you. Bring yourself before him. Hand your anxieties over to him. Even hand over the clients, hand over the head of whoever, and know that he will give you his peace even in the hardest circumstances of your life. Please join me in prayer. Thank you, Father, for showing us what this great peace is we pray that some of us would actually take up this peace with god so that they can receive peace on earth today by putting their faith in jesus forgiveness of their sins and we pray for the rest of us that we would be reminded that your favor rests on us so that we would be free from anxieties and stress of having to win people's approval And as your favour rests on us, may our hearts rest from the need for approval. May we be free to live a life of praise and peace and join in in the angel singing to worship Jesus. Worship him with all our hearts this Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.